magnify the Lord today. Magnify him today. Hallelujah. He is jealous for me. Sing that verse. He is jealous for me. Why don't you just open your heart to the Lord? The Bible says lift your heart with your hands. Let's do that around the building today. Like a hurricane, I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, when I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. moments after the altar service would we have a gift for you and I will be back in the cafe cafe area to get me another cup of coffee another share one with you Psalms 32 reading with verse 1 he loves us doesn't he 
Amen. Don't ever let the devil or any voice lie to you. God's not done with you. His mercies are renewed every single morning. Amen. Every single morning, His mercies are brand new. You get a new start. Every time the sun goes down and it seems like darkness is set, just remember, the sun's going to come back up for a brand new day and a brand new start and a brand new way for you. Trials and troubles come over you and weepings come over a night. Guess what? Joy's coming in the morning. How many know the Lord is our bright and our morning star? Amen. Amen. Psalms 32, reading with verse 1. This is our quiz, some of our quiz material that my kids are quoting a lot at home. It says blessed. Now, if you want to be a little bit fancy and theological, you just say blessed. Where I come from, we just country folks. Blessed. Look at your neighbor say blessed. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. That means to be linked to, to impute something. It's a biblical term. It's, it's not necessarily modern vernacular, but what you see is blessed is the man to whom the Lord doesn't link to iniquity, doesn't look at us as a sinner, and whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. He said, for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. Why Selah? It means a pause. It's a, it's a, it's a pause of a song. It's a, he's singing a song. It's called a psalm. I acknowledge my what? Sin unto thee and mine Iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Everybody say, Selah. Praise God. He names three things. He said, sin, iniquity, and transgressions. Amen. I'd like to preach today on this subject and teach you what that stuff means. But I'd like to preach today simply I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Would you praise him for his word? Go ahead and praise him for his word. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Come on, let's magnify the Lord for his word. His presence is here in a mighty way. Amen, 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 amen. Won't you turn to two or three people tell them how nice they look? Smile at somebody, compliment somebody. Tell them they're looking good. Amen. Tell somebody they're looking real young today. Tell them they're looking young. That dress they're wearing makes them look real slimming today. I told you joy is coming, didn't I? (laughs) Amen. Now look at your neighbor and say, joy is coming. 
I said, joy is coming. I know what I feel in the spirit. I've been telling you this for a few weeks, but joy is on the way. The joy is on the way. When you look at the word, when you look at scripture, there's words that sometimes I think we just read fast by. And uh, I appreciate all of our Bible readers and spread the bread readers. That's where you read the Bible through in the year. But I'm not so sure that sometimes we don't read the Bible too fast. You know what I'm talking about? I was on a train a while back over and uh, went from went from Paris to London on a train. I actually went even went under the sea. It was going 250 miles an hour. I like that. You're not doing much sightseeing when you're going 250 miles an hour. Some of you Bible readers are that way. How I many know oh, there's some truth to that? We had my Bible through. Didn't get anything out of it. Boy, you, you, you read real fast in the B-Gats. You know that? Anybody know what the B-Gats are? You can't pronounce one out of 150 names. Somebody told me the other day, they said, I just skipped that part. As long as you get to a part you can't understand, but keep reading. I think sometimes we're a little bit uh, too fast with the word of God. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a slow reader, naturally. And, uh, but sometimes I even read slower in the Bible. And, and what I found is if I go real slow, one of the largest gold nuggets ever found was on the Oregon Trail. Do you know that? It was under the trail that they were riding over to get to find gold. They were crossing over every day to go find gold, and one of the largest gold nuggets ever found was actually on the trail that they were going past. I think Bible reading is that way sometimes. We're trying to finish the chapter, and the gold nugget's been laying in the middle of it. And if we would stop a little bit, slow down, so, so we can't just check the box that said, I got my Bible reading in today. How many's ever prayed and you really just went through a bunch of words you really weren't praying? How many's ever sang a song in church you weren't even thinking about what you're singing? Well, I'm talking, I'm talking to the choir right now. And we just breeze through it because we got to get it done. But I think if you do a little sightseeing in Scripture, you'd find some very, very powerful, powerful things. And I, I read in the, the Word of God the other day, come across the powerful verse, and it says that the redeemed are going to return to Zion. Somebody shout, the redeemed are going to return. And what it says, it says when the redeemed turn, it says, therefore, just throw it up here, Isaiah 61 and 11. You got your Bibles. I want you to turn there. It has a little bit to do with my message, but not a whole lot. I'm just taking a pit stop here in the sermon and uh, let you see a little something here that goes along with what we've been talking about and feeling. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall Return. The redeemed of the Lord shall return. Everybody say, the redeemed of the Lord shall return. What does it mean to be redeemed? What does it mean to have redemption? It means to be bought back. It means to be paid for, to be purchased and brought back to where it belongs. The scripture says that you are not your own for you have been bought with a price. 
Matter of fact, Simon Peter wrote in his epistle, he said that you have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't belong to yourself because he purchased you. Where did he purchase you from? From a world of sin, from a world of suffering, from a world of pain and regret. How many know that's the truth? And when he redeemed you, he paid the ultimate price to have you to come back where he always wanted you to be and that's a place of forgiven, that's a place of set free, that's a place of joy, amen. You don't belong out there in sin and bondage. That's not where God ever intended you to be. You'd be ruled by some addiction or fear or trouble or emotion, no. When he made man, he said, I give you dominion over everything. I'm giving you authority over everything in your life. You know what living for God is? It's a place where God returns control back to you where you're no longer ruled, where you're no longer in bondage. That's why the Bible says, he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. How many's ever been set free by the hand of God? We didn't do it on our own. It's not works of righteousness which we've done, but it's by his mercy that he saved us. Amen. By grace. Somebody shout grace. I mean, like that song about if grace was an ocean, we'd all be sinking in it. Amen. Scripture says we're not saved on our own strength, on our own works, but by grace are ye saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, but it's it's a gift of God. That means God gives you the ability to live better. He doesn't only wipe away your sins, he gives you the power to live above sin. He gives you a power to live above the curse. Come on, I believe that. I believe God gives you a power to come out of sin and live above sin. Do you believe that? You can live better because of the grace of God. Amen. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy. Somebody shout everlasting joy. Shall be upon their head. I don't know what that means exactly, but it appears to me they're just gonna be happy. It's gonna be up on their head. They shall obtain what? Are y'all there? Isaiah 51 and 11. Is that what I said? Man. Forgive me, for I've sinned against thee. How many forgive me today? Give me your own chapter. All right, I'm forgiven. Amen. There it is. Come, Brother Derek, come to the organ. We can go home now. All right, let's, let's do this together. Isaiah 51, 11. Did I say Isaiah? All right. Make sure I didn't say Psalms. All right. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall... Return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. They shall obtain gladness. You're gonna obtain it. You're gonna own it. Some of you have been fighting for a little bit of joy and you just can't seem to get there. You get a little blink of it, but you can't get there. You're getting ready to own it. They shall obtain gladness and Joy, happiness is momentary, but joy is a constant state. Joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Many of you have grieved over mistakes. 
You've grieved over things that have happened that were outside of control, such as death. Many of you, there's been a lot of funerals in this church. But I'm gonna tell you what I know is the will of God. Weeping is gonna endure for a period of time. The Bible says it's gonna be for a night time. That means darkness is not forever. That's why the scripture says that Jesus, and I preached it, preached it a few weeks ago, Christmas sermon, that Jesus is the bright and he's the morning star. Everybody say morning star. The morning star is the last star seen in the night. When the morning star is the only one left, you know what the morning star says? Night's over, day's beginning. And I come to tell you the reason you're feeling what you're feeling here, because your night is over and your day has begun. Joy is here. Joy is up on your head. Come on, come with singing. You're gonna start whistling again. You're gonna start humming again. You're gonna say, I'm so glad to be alive again. It just feels good to be here. I want you to shout, joy is coming. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, joy is already on you. Praise God. Back to Psalms. Psalms 32. Let's go back to Psalms. And so what does it mean to be redeemed? It means to be bought back. What was Calvary about? It was about purchasing you back. The wages of sin is death. You should have died for what you did. We're all dirty sinners. Come from the wild nature of sin. All born in sin. You hear me talk about it in just a moment. But God, he, he paid the ultimate price. He nailed our penalty to the cross. Removing all authority of the principalities and our accusers. He took our sin. He became my substitute. And when he did, his death on the cross was so powerful that the scripture says that he blotted out Everybody take your hand and just wipe it. Just wipe it. You gotta start at the top of the list and go down. Somebody got a long list there. That's true. I look somebody down the floor wiping the floor. (laughs) He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances against us. You had a record of wrong. Amen but he blotted it out. He erased it off the board. He removed the rap sheet. He took it away and he nailed it to the cross. And what it says, and he removed all authority of the principalities against us. What that meant was our accusers no longer had evidence. And any lawyer knows and any common man knows if there's no evidence... There's no trial. See, he does more than just say, you're forgiven. He removes any evidence that you ever pay the price or the penalty for what you did. That's the kind of God I serve. It's not just a new day. It's old things are passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. Come on, put off the old man. He says, I'm gonna let you be a new man. It's gonna be as if you never lived that way. It's gonna be as if there's never ever any evidence of that way. Somebody shout, I am forgiven. Amen, amen. 
He wipes it clean. One more time, wipe it clean. That's forgiven. You know what else I found that forgiven means? In the Hebrew, it means a liftoff. That's what I found out you get in your shake, not the healthiest place. My wife sent me there. She said, would you go get me a shake? On the way home, I went there and they said, would you like a liftoff? I'm like, what's she been drinking here? What are y'all serving here? Come find out it's caffeine. <laughs> a liftoff. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so tickled. I had too much coffee. I mean, I don't know what it is, but I had a liftoff. <laughs> Forgiveness means a liftoff. You ever did something wrong and it weighed you down? I can't believe I did that. You go to bed at night. It's hanging over you. It's called sin. So Psalms 32 deals with it in much detail. So it deals with three categories of sin. Let's go back and read that. Psalms. Blessed is he who's what? Verse one, transgression. So what is sin? What is iniquity? And what is transgression? Blessed is he whose transgression is what? Forgiven. Whose sin is Sin is sort of a generalized term that covers all types of sin. It means any type of trespass, any type of, of, of act against the law, any type of act of wrongdoing. That three-letter word sin, it actually means to miss the mark. That's what sin means, to miss the mark. You ought to know that, did you? It means anything in your life that caused, caused you to miss what God had intended for you. And be careful, little eyes, what you see. And little ears, what you hear. Why? Because it can divert you on a path that, that, that momentarily is, is, is pleasing, but it gets you off track from where God intended for you to be. And guess what? That path will be a dead-end, regretful road that's not fulfilling. There's nothing more, more fulfilling than being on the straight and narrow path that God had designed for you. Amen. It's all, it's, all, it's all smoke and mirrors out there. It looks like it's going to be something, but it, it never turns out the way it's supposed to turn out. How many know it's true? Can anybody witness that? You knew it was wrong, but you did it anyhow because you thought it was going to have a good benefit, but it ended up coming out worse than what you thought it would be. It's called sin. And so sin means to miss the mark of your destiny. Sin can be innocent. Matter of fact, Numbers tells us that there was a law, that there was an actual offering for those that committed sin uh, unwillfully or innocently. There was an actual sacrifice. You'd come before the Lord because if you sin, something has to die. Because of sin, something dies. Adam and Eve in the garden, I'm not gonna stay here long, but Adam and Eve in the garden, they sinned in the garden, something had to die. God came and killed uh, an animal in the garden to cover their sin because sin has to be covered. The only way sin can be covered is through the life of, that's been given. So you sin, something dies. That's why some of you feel like death. That's why some of you don't want to live. It's because sin moved in. It was fun in this beginning, but now you have been stripped of all desire of self-worth, life, passion, purpose, desire, gone. 
because sin brings death. Amazing that God said, I'll step in and I'm gonna remove that from you so you can live again. It's amazing when someone is saved, when someone becomes forgiven, that it's amazing what happens in their life. They get this new look at life. They can't wait to get up in the morning. They're saying, like, man, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to church. Can't wait to read my Bible. I mean, they come into church sort of like this. They come in heavy and burning. God saves them. Next service, they come in. Shake my hand, Brother Nehemiah. I'm not wearing your coat today. I say he ought to wear my coat. Amen. Should have been here last Sunday. They come in the next service. Oh, man, it's so good to see you. Passion is back in their life. Where did it come from? They know. Death has been removed. Penalty is gone. I feel it has been lifted from me. See, that is the goal of God, is that you don't live burdened under the penalty of what you did waiting on your next curse, waiting on your next trip, waiting on your next fall, waiting on somebody to come against you, waiting on all that because of something you did years ago. That's not the will of God. When he removes it, it's gone forever. I said forever. Amen. And so sin means to miss the mark and he said whose sin is covered. He goes on and says, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not, what? Iniquity, whose spirit there is no guile. It goes on verse four, it says, for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah, talking about all that life in you, all of the moisture in your life, all the love you feel, gone. How many's ever been there? How many's ever been there? Just felt like you were dried, you were a parched ground. Didn't have anything to give anymore. You did things out of routine, but there was no passion there. He says, I acknowledge, verse five, I acknowledge my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions. We've covered what sin is. Now let's talk about iniquity. Iniquity is sort of a, it's a, it's a thought process. It's iniqu iniquity sin is more of a plotted sin. It's, it's been something that's been turning over in you. You begin to dwell on it. You know it's not right, but you begin to think about it. You haven't done anything yet, but it's a plot. You start picturing it happen before it happens. And Jesus dealt with this in the New Testament when he made this statement. He said, the law says that uh, if you commit adultery, it's a sin worthy unto death. But I tell you that if you've thought of it in your heart, It's sin. What he was saying was, he said the law only covers the act. But I tell you that the iniquity, the, the thought process, the plotting, the, the, the mindset, the linking to, the, the thought, oh, I'm doing wrong, that is already sin because it's in the heart. It eventually becomes an act, and that's where the scripture says your sins will find you out. How many ever heard that verse? your sins will find you out. What that means is after a period of time that if you, when you make the act called sin, the act of sin, that it's because you've been thinking about it, you've been plotting it. It, it, it started with a small seed and grew into an action. It's called iniquity. So is the thoughts of sin, the thoughts of wrong, 
Are they wrong with God? The Bible says he knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Aren't you glad God come and deals with you in the secret of your life before it becomes an outward action of your life? I think it's powerful that God deals with you before the mess and gets what's turned over in here, turned right before it causes the casualty. And that's why he goes on and says this. He said, I acknowledge my sin to thee and my iniquity have I not hid. You can hide it from everybody because it's a mere thought. It's a mere desire. But he said, I can't hide it from him. Oh, let there be an amen. Amen. And so God sometimes uses a preacher to come and preach on things that you and only you know going on in here. And you thought, how do he know? God. Hebrews says that for the word of God is quick. That means it's, a, it's alive. Word of God in some history book sitting on the shelf to collect dust. You read it once you're done with it. It's alive. It matches where you are. That's why you go to church not just once a month. You go to church service after service. Why? Because it's fresh. I need a fresh word to give me direction, to get me back on track. We don't go to church out of routine. I get to church because I want to be right with God. I, I want to be on the path. I should be. I want somebody preaching to me to get back on the path. Come on, that's why the Bible calls the preacher the shepherd. I don't want to veer off. Somebody say amen. Amen. For the word of God is quick, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder, the soul and the spirits, the joints of marrow, discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. Watch this, hold on. Verse 13 says, all creatures. Amazing, the Bible calls you a creature. That's King James Version. All people. All people are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do or deal with. What does that mean? That means you are not, you can't hide anything from God. How many know he knows exactly where you are? Then it goes on and says, it says, it says, a few verses later, it makes the statement. It says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities or weaknesses. What does that mean? That means we can touch God with the weakness of our flesh. And so when you're dealing with iniquity, you're dealing with an internal desire. So let's move on. Let's go to, I said I will confess my what? I acknowledge my sin. Let's read it together, will you? I acknowledge my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah, meaning it all starts with a thought. When lust is conceived, that's a thought. It brings forth sin. When sin is finished, it brings forth death. means that it merely started with a thought that became a process or a plot that turned out into an action. And we all have sin. Everybody. They got your neighbor and say, he's preaching about you. <laughs> Don't get carried away with that. Some of you lean over and say, I told you. <laughs> judge not. <laughs> judge not lest you be judged. Watch, ready? I said I will confess my transgressions. Transgressions 
or another word for transgression could be to rebel, to disobey what you already know, what you've already learned. You cannot transgress unless you already know the law. It's knowing it's a stop sign, but you keep on going anyhow. I'm not saying if you're on a stop sign, you're going to hell. What I'm saying is you know that red stop sign means stop. But you chose to go beyond. That would be considered, yet minimal, a transgression. Everybody say you have to know the law to be able to transgress. So here it goes. Scripture says the way of the transgressor is hard because he knows better. Sometimes sinners' ways, not that they're easy, because pleasure sins only for a season, but sometimes sin can be done in innocence. As someone recently said, the difference between innocence and purity is innocence you don't know, you just don't know. Purity, you've made a choice. Can you sin innocently? Can you sin innocently? Yes, you just didn't know any better. And so what happens here, but a transgressor, he knew better and he did it anyways because that's what he wanted to do. So verse 1 of 32, you ready? He knew better, but he did it anyhow. Blessed is he who transgresses. Blessed is he whose transgression is what? Forgiven. And some of you walked in here saying, I knew better and I did it anyhow. God hates me. No, he wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. How many believe that? Now look at Isaiah chapter 53. Look what it says. They would give that verse I gave to them. Isaiah 53. I want you to see this perspective of God's forgiveness. Talking about Calvary. Isaiah chapter 53. Go ahead and put it up there. Isaiah 53. Well, let me turn to the exact verse here. It says in verse five, but he who was wounded for what? I I just feel like God has sent me here today to tell you, you knew better, you made the mistake, but he still wants to forgive you. You knew the law. Come on, we we preach mercy in the apostolic church for every sinner category there is in our community. I just want to know if we believe sinners who grew up in sin never knew the Lord can be forgiven, can a saint's kid be forgiven? How about somebody raised in church their whole life, trained in the kingdom of God, went to church every Sunday and somewhere in a weak moment of their life they go out and transgress the law. Are they done? No, he said the transgressor can even be forgiven. So what he's doing here in chapter 32, he's covering all categories. He said those that sin innocently, those that plotted in iniquity, and those that knew the law and broke it because of whatever reason, because they're sinners, he said they can all be forgiven. How many believe that? And we know Calvary is so powerful because look what he said. But he was wounded. This is speaking of prophetically of Calvary. He was wounded for our If you wound somebody, you cut them, they're going to bleed on the outside. Oh, I get excited preaching about Calvary. 
I hope you never get used to Calvary preaching because it is the gospel. Come on, if anything ought to stir you, it ought to stir you the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, no, it's the power of God unto salvation. You can't be saved without preaching about the gospel. Amen, it's power packed. And when you look at it, he was wounded for our transgressions. If I wounded you, Sister Vicky, you would bleed on the outside. But what is this? But if I bruised you, you would bleed on the inside. Your wound, he was wounded for transgressions. How I many know it's the blood that washes away sin? So the action or the transgression is an outside sin. It's one that people could have seen. It's one maybe done in secret, but it was an action. You did it. He bled on the outside for the sin you committed. I'm glad to tell you, he was bruised for iniquity for the sin that was stirring on the inside. It was blood that ran over the conscience, blood that ran over the thought. I come to tell you, maybe the act hasn't happened, but he said, I'm gonna take care of the thought. I'm gonna take care of the intent before it ever happens. Amen. Look at this. The chastisement of our peace was up on him. You know what I've noticed? When sin comes in your life, peace leaves your life. You know how God chastises me? He removes my peace. If I do something that doesn't please him, God, whether it's in ministry, whatever it is, the Lord removes peace from my heart, peace from my spirit. And I'll start talking to God. What in the world did I do? What in the world did I do? God, that, that I don't have peace. And the Lord will speak to me and say, this is what you did. You know what? Because when sin comes in, or something that's not pleasing to God, peace goes out the door. I'm gonna tell you, I'm 41. I'm not real old, but I'm getting older. There's nothing more valuable than having peace in your life. There's nothing more valuable than knowing that you know. If the trumpet sounds, I would go today. I come to tell you, he wants you to make it. He wants you to get into heaven. He wants you to be saved. He really does. Amen. Won't you elbow your neighbor? Don't bruise them now, but elbow your neighbor and tell them God wants you to be saved. The chastisement of our peace was up on him and with his stripes we are. See, Calvary could not have happened if the spirit of the Lord would not have left that body. And this is an answer to why did Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's this verse. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And for a moment, as the Son of God, that body felt what it was like to be stripped of all peace, of all comfort, because he didn't take care of part of our sin, part of our journey of what sin deals with. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. There's a reason he was wounded in his hands, wounded in his feet, crowned a thorn upon his head, plucked his beard, spit in his face, hung naked before, his, before a crowd. There was a reason he was, he was crucified in the manner because he was gonna cover the sin for every, whatever hand committed. He was gonna cover the mischief where the feet went as Proverbs tells us. He was gonna cover the thought of the mind with the crown of thorns, come on now. And he was gonna take on the emotion of what it's like to not have any peace. You know why he died without peace? It's so you could get it, so you could have it again. Even though you sinned, even though you failed, he died so you could have peace. 
I think you ought to jump to your feet and help me preach for a minute. He died so you can live. He died so you can have joy. He died so you can be fulfilled. He died to give you hope. He died to give you peace. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout with a voice of triumph. He has given me peace. He has given me peace. And when I'm preaching to you, I just got a feeling this morning to tell you, I've got a feeling everything's gonna be all right. I've got a feeling it's gonna be okay. Amen. Praise him, praise him. Would you just praise him for a moment? Just praise him for a moment. Just praise him. Hallelujah. Come on, take a moment and love him for forgiving you. You may be seated. So David sinned. David sinned. Psalms 51, if you'll turn there. Psalms. 51. Do you understand redemption? Do you understand what sin is? Feel like you got that? How many know what iniquity is? Transgression. They're not all the same thing. They're different categories. Transgression is the act against the law. I think we've covered that. So when you're reading Psalms 51, what happened is David, David gets sidetracked. He is a mighty man. Whew. Now while I'm going to preach to you, I want you to, I want y'all to amen on every point. Will you do that? Amen. Everybody say amen. amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to say amen. What does amen, amen mean? That means so be it. I want it to come to pass. I believe that. I believe that for me. I believe that's gonna happen. When I say things like backslidden people out of the church for five decades can come to the church and the Lord will treat them as if they never left, you ought to say amen. amen. See, when you believe it, it, it creates an atmosphere that sends a signal to people that maybe can't hear our voice, but they can feel the hope within the church because you attract what you believe in. Faith is an attractant. And when you believe in miracles, and you actually really do believe that God can do miracles, you're gonna attract miracles into your life. Faith and healing, you're gonna attract that into your life. When you believe God can restore no matter how long they've been away from God or how far, you'll see that happen. Faith is a powerful, moving force. Believe it. David was mighty. He was a giant killer. He was a man after God's own heart. He was destined. As a matter of fact, speaking of Jesus, the Bible compares Jesus to he is the root and the offspring of David. In scripture, there's so many parallels between Christ and King David, except Jesus was perfect. He's the only one good. He's the only one that didn't need saved. Amen. And what you'll find is David slips up. He should have went to battle. He stays home. He's more about entertaining himself, more about sleeping in not praying, not doing what he was supposed to do, called to do, cause he's so blessed that he didn't think he needed to pray. When he did, he found himself out on the roof of his house, coveting his neighbor's wife. Covet not thy neighbor's wife, the scripture says. 
and he covets something that doesn't belong to him. Preached it a while back. He sent for her husband, tried to get him to go home because David had committed adultery. It was an absolute wicked thing that he did. No one in this room has ever done anything as wicked as David's about to do. Not only did he commit adultery with somebody that loved him, his wife, but David committed adultery and then had her husband killed to cover his sin. That is wicked. What you do doesn't weigh in comparison to what he did. David thinks it's covered. He married Bathsheba. Uriah's put on the front line. Joab knows what he did. Abinadab knows what he did. Not everybody knows what he did. He marries her. He covers it up as if nobody's going to know. Gets a knock on the door. The preacher shows up at his house. You see, you can't hide from God. See, the problem with David was he had iniquity in his heart. He got one picture in his mind and he put it in here. He started dwelling on it. Some of you need to shut the windows off to your life. I come to preach to you, it's not worth the fight. Some things aren't worth the fight. If you can't handle your phone, get you a flip phone. <laughs> I didn't hear any amen in the building on that one, but it's the truth. Don't, don't clap. Listen, and he got in trouble. Went gradually away from his responsibilities. Sin came iniquity, turned into transgression. And he covers it up, thinks he's okay. Knock at the door. Thank God for a preacher that'll knock on your door. Prophet shows up, tells David, tells him a story. My, my, I'm trying not to preach long today. He tells him a story. He said, King, there's an issue in the kingdom. Well, uh, um, Nathan, well, 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 you know, when a preacher shows up, people get nervous. They don't answer the phone when they call. See, when sin's there, peace. Nathan, what's the issue? Well, there's this guy in town. He's very wealthy. He's got all these sheep. He's got a lot of sheep. And uh, there's another guy in town. He's only got one sheep. He loved that sheep as his own. He raised it as his own. From the, just the time it was small, raised it, loved it. So there's this guy that came through town. A wayfaring man means a traveler, a sojourner. Just somebody hops from town to town. Sounds, who's that sound like? He's, where you been, devil? To and fro. Just traveling through. He said this traveler came through and said he went to the rich man and, and the rich man wanted to treat him a meal instead of taking one of his many sheep. He went over that man only had one sheep and he took his own sheep, killed it, and gave it to that wayfaring man. David gets it. David's so into the story. David says, he deserves to die. See, it's easy to cast judgment even when you're sinful. How many know that? Because even a sinner knows right from wrong. And he said, he deserves to die when he says that. Watch this. When he says, he deserves to die, Nathan points that finger at him. And he says, thou art the man. 
David didn't say, get out of here, preacher. You're not talking to me that way. He didn't do what, he didn't do what Ahab did in Jezebel who committed sin, similar sins of killing somebody to get something that didn't belong to them. He falls to his knees and he prays a prayer that I want you to follow along with me if you have your Bible. You ought to study this chapter because this moves God. If David, if David was the rich man, the poor man in the story was Uriah, the guys that had all the one had all the sheep. David had all the sheep. Uriah had one. That was Bathsheba. Who was the wayfaring man? It's the unseen stranger that comes to your house. He goes here, there, and tempts. The Bible says that old tempter, the devil, he'll come by your way. I told a guy one time, he's sitting on the front row right there. I said, buddy, I said, the Lord just showed me a vision of your life. And uh, I was preaching, middle of my preaching. I said, I saw, I said, in a vision, God just showed me. I stopped middle of my preaching. I said, I said, the Lord showed me a car. You're walking down the sidewalk in Zanesville? I said, a car is coming down the side of the road. I can see it. I said, and they stop beside you. You're going to be on the sidewalk, and they're going to throw the door open. And I told Gerald, I said, when they throw the door open, they're going to say, get in, I'll give you a ride. I said, don't you dare get in that car. It's a trap. He's sitting right there. He walked right out of this church, went out, was walking down the sidewalk in Zanesville. Car pulls up right side and throws the pastor's door open and said, get in. He looked in as his ex-girlfriend. He said, I ain't getting in that car. <laughs> I've had other words and told people they didn't listen. And they're not here today because they fell into the trap of the unseen stranger. Look at your neighbor and say, don't fall into the trap of the unseen stranger. The old tempter. He'd love to take you to hell, wouldn't he? But devil, the redeemer's here. See, the devil should have took some of you out before you got here today, but some of you are going to walk out forgiven. You're walking out forgiven. David falls to his knees. This is what he says. David gets on his knees and he prays this prayer. So powerful, become a psalm. David falls to his knees and he said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Here it is. Blot out. <laughs> Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine what? And cleanse me from my for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. <laughs> he said, against thee, the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. It's not about others. It's not about getting caught. It's about being right with God. And he said that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Oh God, I am the problem. It's me. It's not anybody else. It's my Fault. I wish somebody shouted, it's my fault. Come on, it wasn't that hard to say, was it? I think somewhere we gotta say, it's my fault. 
And he said, behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. One translation says it this way. One translation says, I was just born a sinner. You know what I believe? I believe our iniquity will shape us. What we think about will shape us. What goes on the inside is gonna direct our path. As, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He said, I was shaped by mine iniquity. Be careful what you dwell on. And if certain things make you think wrong, you need to get rid of certain things. I want you to help me teach. Iniquity will shape you. I don't believe he was only saying I was born a sinner. I believe he was saying the internal things I've been dwelling on have made me who I am now. Control your thoughts and it will control your desires. He says it this way, behold, excuse me, he said, behold, thou desirest truth in where? That's what I believe he was talking about. He said, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. He's dealing with the iniquity issue. He's dealing with the thought process. He's dealing with what's going on on the inside. He goes on and says, and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. He said, God, I've made a mistake. I've overrode the conscience of the inside of me, but I'm convinced somewhere. Watch the prayer begin to turn. I will not always think this way. I will not always be a product of mine iniquity. I believe you're going to put wisdom back inside of me again. Somebody say amen. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be white, whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide, hide thy face from my sins. Here it is again. And blot out not just my transgressions but blot out the facts, the intents, or the iniquity. Are you ready? Then he starts this journey because he knows who the Father is. Create in me. God, you can make me new. If you can do the earth, he, he said, when I consider the, the heavens and the works of thy fingers, he said, I said, what is man that thou art? God, if you can create the sun, the moon, and the stars, you can create in me a new heart. God, I don't want to be what I'm being. Am I preaching to anybody in this room? I don't want to be what I used to be. I don't want to do what I used to do. Oh, God, create in me. And renew a right spirit within me. He said, cast me not away from thy presence. That's what he's talking about, that peace deal. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, I want everybody to say it. Restore. Shout it again. Restore. I want everybody in the building to shout restore. restore. Unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. He said, God, I sinned. I transgressed. I had iniquity. I've had sin in my life. But God, would you wipe me with hyssop? That means a brush that applied the blood to the doorpost. He said, God, if you would cleanse me and cover my sin, get inside of me and create in me a clean heart. God, give me joy and restore me back to what I used to be. He said, God, I will make a difference in others. I will teach transgressors thy ways. I've got a ministry ahead of me. If I know your mercy, you're not done with me because of my failure. He said, I believe you got a plan for my life. 
Watch what he says. I'm almost finished here. He said, restore to me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, there's a then in your world. He said, if you'll restore me, then. You know what then means? Then means I've got a future. Then means the next chapter. Then means tomorrow. Then means when I leave this church, I'm gonna be forgiven and I will have a ministry. Do you believe that? God said, I'm gonna use... Help me. Why don't you stand over the building? I'm closing. He said, then will I teach transgressors. Now I have an understanding of how I got to where I am. He didn't say sinners. He said, I'm going to teach who? Who? Transgressors thy ways. I'm going to show them the path in which I failed. I'm going to help transgressors like me. God, you can forgive me, and I'm going to go to everybody that's ever left. I'm going to go to people that's left the kingdom, people that have transgressed the law. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going after some transgressors, and I'm going to teach them your ways, and they shall be what? Converted unto thee. He said, I'm going to let people that have failed have mercy. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. <laughs> he goes on and makes a statement. Verse 15, he says, O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. He said the sacrifices of God are a what? That means repentive. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, thou wilt not despise. God will not turn away somebody that's sorry. He said you can't pay enough tithes to get forgiven. God doesn't care about that. You can't give enough offerings, kill enough bullocks, lambs, and goats to get God's attention. God's not looking for some routine sacrifice. He said, God, I understand today it's not what I can give that's going to make me forgiven. But God, I'm on my knees today and I understand you that, Lord, you will not turn away a broken heart. You will not turn away a contrite person that's remorseful and sorry. How many believe that? That will not despise. And what I come to preach to you, and if you're watching online today, and you hear this preacher preach and you feel unworthy to be in this house, you listen to what I'm telling you, you'll repent, he'll forgive you. All you got to do is say, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to live that way no more. Come on, anybody in this room ever been forgiven? Why don't you lift your hands and love him? I don't want to be lost. Don't neglect. Don't neglect. God has come to save you today. You can walk out of here today knowing I am forgiven. He has lifted off of me the burden of my sin and my past. Today, I repent. I say to this congregation, do not put off tomorrow what you can do today. 
humble yourself before God and say, I'm sorry. How many has ever felt the power of forgiveness come over you like the washing of pure water? You know when he touched you that you've been made clean. You get up from that altar lighter. How many's ever known what I'm talking about? You get up from that altar lighter. Peace that was gone is now saturating you like moisture to a desert. Why? Because you've been forgiven. Listen, my friend. I haven't come just to mere words and make you feel better. I come to tell you, except ye repent, you'll perish. You will all likewise perish. With everybody out in the world that doesn't know God or love him, you'll be in the same category. But today, he's given you opportunity merely to repent. You could repent at your seat. You can kneel at your seat. You don't have to say a fancy prayer. You don't have to read Psalms 51. Just say, God, I'm a sinner. I've got iniquity in my heart. I've transgressed. God, there's things I've done I should have never done, and I'm sorry. I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want to be a sinner. Some of you saints need to get right with God again. Quit checking off the box of religiosity. Get on your knees and say, God, I need a relationship. All over this building, I want us to pray. Everybody all over the building, I want you to seek God. Oh, Jesus. Give us conviction again, oh Lord. Don't stand before God as a sinner. When you could have made things right today. Whose report will you believe, Psalms 50, Isaiah 53 says. You need to believe the one that allows you to be forgiven. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Don't turn away from the Lord. He's calling you today. When he died on the cross, he had you in his mind. He said, I'm going to give my life so they can live they can have peace they can help others right now in this room God is calling you you don't have to walk out of this room bound troubled, tormented God will give you peace right here in this room right now if you're here today, every head bowed and every eye closed and you say I need forgiven I want you to raise your hand see hands all over the building that's being honest with God the Lord's going to minister to you today he's going to give you great strength and great grace here's what I want you to do all over this building if you have been forgiven but the devil's tried to remind you constantly of your past that you're not worthy I want you to raise your hand the devil does not want you to believe the report of scripture he wants you to know who you are in Him. You've been washed, you've been purged, you've been cleansed by His Spirit. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out of your seat, come down to this altar, and do your first works all over again. God, here I am. Lord, I'm making all things new. All over this building, I want you to come. If you've never repented, or if you repented, but the devil keeps trying to throw it back in your face. Today, I'm walking out forgiven. I'm walking out cleansed. Come on, just tell the Lord, I'm sorry. Come on, you can kneel, you can stand, whatever you feel. I want you to come. T today, if you don't have peace in your life, 
Lay in bed at night trying to entertain yourself asleep because you don't want to face reality. I come to tell you, God will give you peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's call to him all over this building. God, I want to be right. I want to be holy. I want to be forgiven. Come on, not one person in this room did a more hideous sin than David. But God sent the prophet back and said, you tell David I have forgiven him. I have forgiven him. <laughs> That's it. All over this room, I want to be forgiven. I want to be right. Ministers, if you'll help me in the altar today, a lot of people praying. All the altar ministers help pastor. Come on, you don't have to pray fancy. Just be real with God. Are you hurt?